Hello and welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. And I'm Tom Scholey, author of Jack Kirby, The Epic Life of the King of Comics and Fantastic Four Grand Design. Today we're going to look at Wally Wood writing some early Marvel comics or writing an early Marvel comics on his Daredevil run. Before we get into the details here, I want to invite everybody at home to like, follow, and subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel if you haven't done so already. Hit that bell icon next to the subscribe button. That'll notify you when we post a new video. It'll help offset the kayfabe effect. When we cover a comic on this channel, sometimes that comic can get scarce or the price can go up quickly. So if you have the notifications turned on, you can be the first one tracking down copies at your local comic shop, eBay, Amazon, wherever you buy comics. Also, let these videos play through to the end. That allows YouTube's algorithm to share our videos with other comics fans who haven't found cartoonist kayfabe yet. It is how we grow this channel. We appreciate your help and support in that regard. 60,000 plus so far on our way to 6 million. So keep these videos playing and keep spreading the good word of cartoonist kayfabe to other comic fans. But we are here today to talk. Wally Wood did not do a lot of work at comics, at Marvel Comics, but did do some uh, important stuff. I feel like he really built Daredevil into what Daredevil is. Um, you know, it's it's... Starts with a concept, Wally Wood shows up and kind of revamps it just enough to make it the daredevil that goes really up to today. There's a lot to talk about with this. Uh, I first popped on my radar to begin. In the uh, early 90s, there was an Overstreet like encyclopedia guide, uh, like a bibliography of cartoonists. There was maybe 25 different cartoonists who were laid out, and then it would be a checklist of everything they they ever did, you know, in, in professional comics. And uh, has spawn on the cover and stuff. I'm, I'm, if I ever see that thing again, I, I need to scoop it up. Uh, so I was aware of Wally Wood from uh, from from EC. You know, there was those 1990s reprints mm -hmm. of the Russ Cochran's that hit the grocery store and all that. I seen his work and was blown away by his work. So I get the, those books that like that Overstreet book, and I'm like, hold up, he did Marvel Comics. He did Daredevil Comics. I have to see what this looks like because I was like, imagine like it would be like that, that EC mm -hmm. rigor with just Marvel stuff. Like it's, it's not that it's not that, but it's still sick. Also, uh, pulling these out and checking it out. Um, I guess I never thought before that this is like the one Marvel comic of that era that has very little to zero Jack Kirby, like, influence in terms of storytelling and hyperbole and, and like like all that codified jack kirby language from the beginning it's bill everett it's joe orlando and then it's uh it's wally wood so there's not that that um jack kirby type pacing anywhere like jack would at least lay shit out for like don heck to yeah, go right. over or something like that but it's completely non-existent so it does feel like a thunder agent's pace or something like the whole layout and, and setup and all that this first page reminds me a lot of dc comics yeah. superhero style um elegant is something i think about you know like mm -hmm. good figure flipping through some of the uh the previous issues because wally wood does i don't know six or eight issues probably total mm -hmm. the elegance in the figure work is really interesting to me because like you ed i think of him as ec comics um you know not superheroes right so when he comes to superheroes, it's almost like, what does he do with superheroes? And what I see is really elegant figure work. This is a good example. You could tell that Ken Langreff learned to draw eyes from <laughs> Hollywood. And uh, the other note, I think, is Bob Powell doing layouts, yeah. which is Bob Powell a, a really celebrated, or at least in my mind, a highly regarded Golden Age artist coming out of the Eisner studio. 
I would see reprints of his in like Mr. Monster sci-fi comics and just very detailed, amazing with a brush. So weird that he's doing layouts when you think of the Marvel method of writing with Wally Wood on script and art. So so we're not checking out. It's not just for Wally Wood that we're checking this thing out, man. If we did that, we could have did issue seven or whatever when he established a red costume. Uh, we're reading the issue that he writes himself. Right. Yeah, wow. And right. may, maybe one of the earliest Marvel comics written by somebody other than Stan Lee. And if you could just like read yes. portions of this, where Stan Lee, as editor, is setting Wally Wood up to fail <laughs> and to make all the readers uh, suspicious. Yeah. And two great surprises await you in this offbeat issue. One, this is Daredevil's first real mystery thriller, complete with a zillion suspects. Interesting. This is a two-part story. Uh, that's my side. Yeah. Two, Wally Wood has always wanted to try his hand at writing a story as well as drawing it. And big-hearted Stan, who wanted to rest anyway, said, "Okay." So what follows next is anybody's guess. You may like it or not, but you can be sure of this. It's going to be different. Thanks a lot, Stan. Yeah. <laughs> now, if you read, this is Stan's modus operandi. If you read like Origins of Marvel Comics, another early non-Stan writer would be like Larry Lieber. And when he's talking about uh, the origins of Thor and talking about them, it's the exact same lines. It's Larry was hounding me for ages about how he wanted to try his hand at writing. I threw him a bone and blah, blah, blah. You know, and... Now, part of the Marvel thing that Stan develops is this sort of like self-deprecating humor. It's like, we'll build ourselves up and then we'll make jokes at our expense. But like, when he's talking about himself, it's that. But when it's anybody else, he reverses the equation where it's like, I'll, I'll pound you, I'll, I'll give you a ton of shit, and then I'll give you some faint praise mixed in. So, it, you know. And, and just with the reputation of Wally Wood, like, salty dog, you know, and probably didn't find the humor in this kind of shit. So he does only write this one issue, and then we'll leave that up to more Provo Cuts come issue two. All right. I mean, when, when Wally comes in, Stan was so excited to get all these EC guys at Marvel. And when Wally came in, he was really stoked about Wally and felt like he's got another Jack Kirby or Steve Ditko on his hands, a guy who he can just like let him rip, let him do his thing and then come in. But Wally didn't like that arrangement. It's like, if I'm going to do writing or co-writing, I need to be credited okay. as a writer and paid as a writer. or co And that's why the Marvel system spit him out because he, he couldn't play ball like those other guys could. By monthly schedule, Daredevil at this time, um, only mention that because there is Bob Powell doing some of the art chores. I don't know if that's reflective of, of what exactly. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the other thing, Wally Wood got a little bit higher than the Marvel page rate. A significant cut from what he was getting at EC Comics. or Yeah, sure. Uh, almost offensive compared to what yeah. he was getting at Mad Magazine. But still an acknowledgement of like, this guy is great. Yeah. So this is as good as we can do. And mm -hmm. I wonder if he was getting more than Kirby at that point. Could be. I mean, he was, he was a star. Yeah. The legacy of these characters, Catman, Ape-Man, Frogman, all these guys, <laughs> show up with Count Nefaria in the reintroduction of the X-Men, X-Men issue 94 and stuff. Oh, wow. Like, those dudes show That's up. That's wild. I had no they, idea. They, they are strange. The look of them is strange. They, they don't seem like Marvel characters. They seem more like, like DC or, or Charlton or Tower, but... They've become Marvel institutions. You it, know? it just goes to show, like, like Kirby's point of view and Kirby's mm -hmm. imagination really is the Marvel stuff. Because, yeah. like, like, anybody who creates something different, like, anybody else who adds to the soup 
you, it's clearly not Kirby. It this feels off-brand. It feels off-brand. You know what it reminds me of here, though, is like a Steranko. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how, how accurate this recoloring is, if this is close to the original comics, but it's kind of neat, this monochrome of Catman coming into this prison to free another one of the, I think, the ape-man guy. And as far as character designs, mm -hmm. my favorite thing is this cat has like a beard, a mustache and a beard. <laughs> it's so bizarre. This sequence is a great sequence. It is. And the, um, you know, the the... the the pacing and the layouts are pretty different from the other um, the other issues. So I don't know whether to chalk that up to Hollywood's writing, Bob Powell's layouts, or what. But yeah, it's, it's hard it's, to tell. It's nice. It's a, it, that, that page was a golden age comics amount of pacing. Right. With four tiers. Funny how these characters, too, resemble, like, this is going to be our frogman, obviously. <laughs> <Yeah>. Poor bastard. <laughs> yeah, it's not, not flattering. And then the, the organizer, kind of a generic name, but... This guy's calling the shots through these television screens. Generic name, generic design, kind of to harkens back to golden age kind of stuff, or, or like se movie serials. And and the the writing, it's not bad. It's good. It's it's like better than average comic book stuff. But it doesn't have that little bit of like Stan Lee oomph of like gags and jokes. Right. You know? The visual gag though, our hawk character with the big nose. I have a super hawk in one of the Street mm -hmm. Angels, and it's the same deal. He's like got you have beak. to put a bird beak on him mm -hmm. if he's going to be a bird character. One thing that surprised me, I haven't read a lot of these comics before this, is how much... This is Daredevil. Like, yeah. he's formed. The lawyer stuff is really all established here. And it surprises me in that the the law stuff... You know, like, Foggy Nelson's running for the DA with this organization, with the mm -hmm. Reform Party, like a third party here in New York. What's a, a kid thinking of this? Yeah, right. That would be... I'd be so confused. Like, a DA and... What, what it's, is this It is like a more involved story than would be typical for Marvel, too. It is kind of like grown-up stuff. It's politics. I don't know if, like, you know, like the JFK era or whatever, people are more Karen Page is this, like, um, love triangle that goes mm -hmm. on throughout these two issues as to, like... Th throughout, like, the next 30 years. Everybody's interested in each other, mm -hmm. but exactly... Who does she like? Is, yeah. is heart, even Daredevil's uh, ultra hearing can't tell with her heartbeat <laughs> fluttering. But they're heading out on on a on a yacht to um, talk reform party and celebrate Foggy Nelson's DA. Look at this! Like this this was this is artograph projected yeah, right. from some travel brochure, no doubt, man. Right. Yes. Foggy's off model. That's worth noting because it will get comments on that. He's kind of a handsome. Sure. Yeah, you could see why she goes for him. Yeah. And and you see the a lot of newspaper headlines used in these early Marvels as ways to advance stuff. Nice uh, radar effect, mm -hmm. too, early on. Man, he looks good. When he you does. think of this yeah. as being like early 60s comics, it, it, it has a sophisticated look. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And like the lighting, abiding by like sort of proper lighting with that costume. You know, he, he establishes the whole look of, of Daredevil going forward. Yeah, I love, uh, you know, the Ditko Kirby stuff. But to me, that has a more simplified style. You know, I go back to elegant, mm -hmm. but some of that is just execution. And it almost makes sense to me why Wally Wood is like a finisher over yeah. Bob Powell, because that's what you're getting in terms of separating this from, say, a Kirby Ditko comic. Yeah, like like the styles of Kirby and Ditko is it's it's made to be banged out, mm -hmm. you know, like like they're they're codifying stuff. And it's it's uh, like iconographic. But this is like you know the subtlety and striations on the musculature accurate lighting i think they're still working two up at this stage too mm. mm -hmm. uh and, and you see it on his pages like, like look at the lighting on the back like he does it so much and so well yeah that's beautiful 
but all of this is like yeah. all the underwater stuff you get to see his figure work showing off but you see it consistently like that's the one thing with superhero comics is like you got to know that figure mm-hmm. these figures are as good as anybody was doing in comics but you see how it lacks the the kirby dynamics and and like if this was a pre if this if marvel comics didn't exist and it was just like atlas and stuff this would be the template for superhero comics going forward <laughs> but the power of kirby fucks this up a little bit it does and then it creates that argument like if you watch that kirby uh documentary where it's like jim lee and neil adams and those guys talking and shit where they're like i i hated kirby like i didn't understand it at all like that's what they're right. talking about because like the illustrative guys yes or like when we were talking with uh, brian boland and we we're talking like he he his version of of um man i'm glad you said boland yeah, this like, feels like bold like like, figure stuff. like what was the exact word we used for like uh precision like like yeah. we used the word precision when talking about jim woodring and stuff like that. and he's like he, brian boland said well they're not really precise and like what he meant was anatomically correct mm-hmm. he didn't mean like precise of line i love this as a storytelling a oh, yeah, way, yeah. as part of the storytelling part of the page yeah, with that's the amazing characters doing stuff this could be a david if you told me that was a david mazzucchelli panel from as early in his daredevil run mm-hmm. i would believe you and i think this speaks to the precision ed that you're talking about like perfectly composed between those panels or between those buildings rather so that you get the figure you know it's almost too pretty well, it's d- very stiff d- it is stiff dc editors at this time would say marvel comics look like shit why are they kicking our ass now they wouldn't say it about this comic i'm sure but yeah. like yeah the the ditko yeah and, when you compare the Kirby stuff, stuff like the, there's the slickness uh, and the the craftsmanship of those dcs that is just completely different like the mm-hmm. like the the rawness of ditko and kirby um i love this panel with matt murdoch sneaking in like for three mm-hmm. characters it's it's that cinema kind of thing where it's like clearly foggy's enthralled with this girl and now matt's your odd odd third wheel mm-hmm. in this relationship but the story here you know going back to wood writing this is this is an old flame of foggy nelson from i think middle school it's junior Electra. high school <laughs> and uh she's come back to his life from that yacht party conveniently part of mm-hmm. the reform party and uh maybe maybe keeping him on the on the path they want him on it seems like uh throughout the early issues the billy club is a little deus ex machina weaponry right there dude it's it reminds me of uh there was a robocop cartoon in the 90s when i was a kid and that little claw that comes out the little needle thing mm-hmm. could do a lot of stuff <laughs> pick, pick, pick locks uh there's a fire extinguisher in there all kinds of stuff this organization keeps like being one step ahead of daredevil mm-hmm. by the way he picks this lock and it's kind of cool he's talking about um you know his radar allows him to see the tumblers falling into place kind of a neat application of the daredevil powers that's a sick shit too man because like i going to hacker conventions and stuff and like i like i got a lock pick set and got pretty good at that stuff and you could like feel the little tumblers like fall mm-hmm. into the main uh thing also the hero at odds with the cops a lot of that early marvel uh not not anti-heroes but just how yeah. these superhero vigilantes fit that's a great panel with like all the cops look i mean it's it's perfectly composed right yeah. you've got one cop between in the spaces that his body is defining almost like he's a gutter yeah it's 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 that thing of like when, when you when you are like projecting images and tracing and stuff like that you you can't arrange stuff uh at like this this rough level you know like that's the stuff that like i've been doing with with using procreate and just like using that program to like just create the most bulletproof compositions possible to make because you felt you might like the gesture you drew of this character but now the hand is touching the border 
nudge it over a couple millimeters push it down i think he's using a technique like that yeah the, the stiffness of these characters indicates that yes and also like the perfect composition you know like yeah. running right in front of the perfectly centered in in front of the foggy nelson i I, I really like this whole billboard thing and like i really like that and and this whole political backdrop feels ahead of the curve too like that they were doing this kind of stuff in marvel comics maybe like late 60s early 70s the the other thing that you could tell about like like when he's when he's tracing stuff off is that uh you know the the superheroes like 10 heads tall or whatever like he doesn't abide by that like all he would have to do when he traces off a figure is like shrink the head a touch and then you you have a 10 foot mm -hmm. head uh uh character but um you, you could tell he's just tracing off a swimmer and keeping all the proportions mm -hmm. exact this feels very uh th like this is a good example to me of, of trying to create depth in one of these yeah and kind of an iconic a lot of these daredevil poses to me feel iconic mm -hmm. It, it feels that you know that's the thing that I took away reading this is like wow this really is the template for Daredevil yeah, for th decades. Yeah, this is like a Mazzucchelli bot. There's a Mazzucchelli Daredevil colliding with somebody in that. Definitely. Cartoonist Kayfabe is brought to you by the comic books that we make uh, out right now, man. Red Room Trigger Warnings issue one, two, three, and potentially issue number four. Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit is the name of the game in Red Rube Comics. Every issue is completely self-contained, so when you see these comics out in the wild, scoop it up. You're going to get a full experience, and if you dig it, go grab another issue by Jim Rugg. A Hulk Grand Design Monster, Hulk Grand Design Madness. The man takes 300 issues of Incredible Hulk per issue and crams them into a succinct 40-page story an incredible romp that encompasses all of the best hits from Incredible Hulk lore. In stores now, scoop up these books. Now that we're done paying the bills, back to the video. These also look really good in black and white. Yeah. Because of the way he colors the mm -hmm. figure, you know, like the figure has so much black in it, it almost always pops. Yeah, it's his um, costume is almost like reflective. Yeah. It reflects black. Once again, you know, trying to keep up with these guys and just struggling. <laughs> that Catman character kills me. <laughs> so bizarre. And so I think there's like some, you know, uh, passive aggressive verbiage in this end blurb too. Well, one note before we read that is there's Foggy's girlfriend and you can see she's involved with this organization. Mm -hmm. So yeah, nice uh, twist. Daredevil learns like, oh yeah. boy, now I've got to. How do you protect your buddy who you know the girl that he's with is not what he thinks? Mm -hmm. All right. Now that Wally got the writing out of his system, <laughs> he left it for poor Stan to finish next issue. Can our leader do it? That's the real mystery. But while you're waiting, see if you can find the clue we planted showing who the organizer is. It'll all come out in the wash next issue when Stan wraps it up. See you then. I don't find this too... It's not great, but he does write this about himself. Like There are a lot I of comics that open, like you said, Tom, where he's sort of like... Stick with us, true believer. We'll try to get the pieces to make sense. I think it's a subtle difference, but it is very real. It is very major. It is very pathological. If you pull the ones where he's talking about himself, it is more complimentary with a little bit of self-digs. This is like, you suck, but hey, it's not It's not that bad, I guess. Well, we can continue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wally Wood wrote part one of this two-parter last-ish, just for a lark but now it's up to sly old stand to put all the pieces together and make it come out okay in the end. Can he do it? See for yourself. Again, a lot of comics that Stan writes has some version I, of that. I, I think that 
you're playing right into his hands. I, I think so too. He's <laughs> playing me like a fiddle. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Because, because it's one thing to be self-effacing when, when you're like the main dude on the masthead and stuff, but this is other people you're playing with, yeah. and and clearly like Wally Wood was like trying to do something. Uh, go back into the the credits for this issue now. It's rearranged credits. Yeah. We have Stanley writing, Bob Powell penciling, Wally Wood inker. And I think this is it for Wally Wood and Marvel, right? This is like, yeah, his his swan song there. And and I I wouldn't be surprised if he if Wally did do some like uncredited writing on it. Like his process is kind, you know, you can't quite put your finger on it. There's like stuff he does early on. There's stuff he does late, you know. So I wonder if Bob Powell is working in Wood's studio. Like yeah, it seemed like he absolutely. always had people around him, and and you read stories and accounts of him, and sometimes it's several people working in there. So. That would make sense, right? Yeah. You know, Wally does do some other stuff because he did that cover for the cat and maybe even like drew some of that issue. And that's like Was that in the, the 70s? 70s? Yeah, no, but this is like the Marvel era, like that, right. like 60s Marvel. Now, um, like another thing to note with like the Stan Lee authorial voice, it's like, you know, when I was a kid, you'd watch the cartoons. He's like, hey, everybody, this is your old pal Stan Lee. And then he'd, you know, go into his spiel. In these 60s ones, there's this like omniscient narrator that is not named as Stan. And in fact, he even talks about Stan. He's like, well, Stan did this and Wally did that. But it's it's written by Stan, but it's kind of like the voice of Marvel, which is kind of an interesting thing. You can be the voice of God. So when you're complimenting Stan and putting down Wally Wood, it's not Stan putting down Wally Wood. It's, it's God putting down Wally Wood and boosting Stan. <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny way to frame that. <laughs> uh, Daredevil cuts loose Foggy's girlfriend without acknowledging that he knows what's going on. This is supposed to be a ruse on her part mm-hmm. to to trick Daredevil. And uh, and so his plan is to follow her. Maybe she'll lead him back to uh, the leader. Uh, it doesn't work out that way, but I feel like that's really clever storytelling. You know, it's it's again, it's one yeah. of those examples of like, what can we show and how does it make sense? And that's all pretty good, mm-hmm. very logical. This pose to me, that feels like something every Daredevil artist has copied since yeah. then. It's so good. Yeah, it's yeah, like absolutely. a circus trapeze kind of thing. And for all, all my criticism of like Marvel's recoloring, you know, something like this really works where like your mm-hmm. red just pops off of that page. Yeah, I mean, what a great design. Like the Wallywood Daredevil. He's, he's red. He's high contrast. You know, he's, he's streamlined. Also, in hindsight... Your character's Daredevil. Yeah. How is he not red, red to start exactly, with? Yeah. You know, it's almost a no-brainer. Maybe they were afraid of like comics code stuff. You could know? be, could be, but it makes a lot of sense. So, again, pretty smart Wally Wood stuff. Here are our candidates for who do we think mm-hmm. the organizer is. So you're getting into that mystery storytelling part. Man, that feels like classic Wally Wood panel to me. Mm-hmm. Dutch angle, double lighting on faces. Yeah, panels that always work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And and the the layouts are a lot more like standard Marvel than the previous issue. Like if you, if you just flip through this whole volume, that previous issue is like a standout in terms of of the panel layouts. I do wonder like it's it's, you know, who am I giving credit to whenever I see a panel and it's Daredevil shadow looming and it's like mm-hmm. oh I like that composition. Is that all Bob Powell? I mean, Wally Wood did this similar composition on you know previous right. issues. So, like I I, I think that. The credits are kind of hard to follow. I'd love to know exactly what happened, but I think Wally Wood's hand or oversight was involved, like, all along the yeah. process. I love the skylight, Daredevil crouching on the skylight. That feels like a better skylight than a lot of the generic skylights I see, probably using reference. But a place where that, that pays off, you know, you get a little mm-hmm. bit more of an interesting background as a result. Th- this is kind of like a tryout for 
the tower stuff too, because Wally Wood did have like have like sort of an oversight kind of role there, you know, and and I think Bob Powell was part of his stable at Tower. Daredevil switches costumes with the Frogman <laughs> and then falls through this trap and kind of gets busted up on the way down. Uh, good thing that he brought a spare. <laughs> that would have been a bigger problem for Spider-Man. He'd be like, oh, I don't have another costume. What am I going to do? Yeah, you could you could own two if you if you have a lawyer's pay mm-hmm. rate. I wonder if this is the first two parter at Marvel. Yeah, good question. Because again, it's pretty early, early in the '60s that that they're doing this mm-hmm. story, and that was unusual to do a multi part story like that, right? Oh yeah. Good fighting stuff. Good great fighting figure. And it's all that mid-level stuff, you know, like that, like this is the modus operandi of, of, of golden and silver age comics. Like the idea of having a big ass fist in the front, like you need Kirby to, to bring that to the game. Again, not sure if Bob Powell's the guy to give credit to, but as a two page spread for like action of, of Daredevil, like going through these guys, that's a great two page spread. Taking care of this team. It's a pretty good punch. Looks like that hurts. Love this. Oh yeah, that feels like that pop art that Marvel would uh, mm-hmm. put in their logos. The way the horns were done when Wally Wood created it—that's uh, my favorite approach. Not the kind of curvy, yeah, horns that it becomes with like Gene Colan and the big eyes that are just like part of the mask. And so they figure out that this guy is uh, is, is the guilty party, right? He was he was trying to I forget how they pin it on him. But it's it's pretty manipulative, and that that's what they decide is proof that it's he's guilty. And uh, Foggy Nelson coming out on top, disappointed that he doesn't get to be DA, and that they just used him for, you know, as as somebody as a pawn that they could manipulate. But yeah, the the clue from last issue is that the organizer had this ring on right there. So if you saw this dude in the earlier issue, and uh, you saw the organizer also had that same thing, so that's how they knew. I'm surprised there's not a line of mystery comics that does this kind of stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you know, uh, Dash Shaw's Clue comic did that shit. Right. Where, where like it would be impromptu. It would show a scene, and then it would flip the page, and then it's like, all right, don't don't turn back. Mm-hmm. Like, let's see how your observational skills work. <laughs> like, the killer is there, and there were clues, and so what? Here's the man who was the killer. And it, it shows like a cutout, like like just like a silhouettes of everybody. Now, who was standing there? What was he holding? Right. What kind of color shoes did he have? It was sick. Yeah, it was so cool. dope. And Karen Page, man, muddy in the waters. Where does her heart lie? It's the, it, this, this is still very Marvel, where, where it's like yeah. you, you tie things up, but give yourself a little bit more for the soap opera, for the pathos stuff, to, to continue to, like the story engine material, to like bring people back, you know, next issue. Big change here too. like. This is Murdoch leaving the uh, practice, right? They're having trouble uh-huh. paying the rent. They don't have enough cases and stuff. Good time for everybody to go their separate directions, or at least and Matt Murdoch. W- Wally Woods leaving. Uh, right. John Romita's showing up. And you talk about like the Kirby influence and the lack of it on here. I think they've also, like this early in the game, haven't quite figured out the Marvel formula and, and, and the, the Kirby formula. And Stan Lee would have his spiel where like new artists would come in and be like, do this like Jack. Do th- Jack does this. Do this. Do this. Probably hadn't formulated that that spiel yet, and maybe the next issue is where he had to, because because it's kind of a famous story of how he had to set 
John Romita aside and say, okay, I'm going to let Kirby do the first couple pages and sort of show you how it's done. Yeah, it even says it right here, man. Uh, the illustration, this illustration was designed to lull you into a false sense of security. It may seem like start of a TV soap opera, but just wait till you get to page three. And and that's and that's when Kirby like, in, yeah. did, did the layouts and things. You know, very famous. Like if you watch the, uh, the Daredevil Man Without Fear, like uh, uh, vignette or... Um, you know, that added feature in the Daredevil DVD. It's on YouTube. You can find it. Like, John Romita's talking about it. He's like, I'm laying this thing out. Stan sees it. So, oh, no, no. <laughs> Could I go give this to... Could I go give this to... Uh to Jack real quick. Now, it's another one of those promos that it Stan is. Lee's cutting, you know. It's it's kind of a, an underhanded, mm-hmm. you know, not a compliment. No, yeah, absolutely, man. Even though this stuff is so beautiful. It is. So so the impetus for, for looking at these two issues is actually like... Uh, I. And friends with that on uh, Facebook with that uh, Bob Beerbaum guy, mm-hmm. and he pulled a piece from a fanzine. He didn't credit it, so I, I don't know the year, I don't know exactly when. But there's three good paragraphs that Wally Wood writes about sort mm-hmm. of dealing with Stan Lee. Uh, could, could you bust that out, man? Yeah. What makes Stan Lee run? Once upon a time, many years ago, a young man, born the son of a famous comic book publisher, decided to become rich and famous. He had no idea of how to go about this at first, lacking both the brains and talent to achieve this goal, but he was driven by one emotion, rather two, envy and hate, all caps. Envy for the people who were responsible for his enviable state and hatred for the people who could draw. Comics are, after all, an artist's medium. I've never read a story in comics that I'd bother with if it were written in novel form. Did I say Stanley had no smarts? Well, he did come up with two surefire ideas. The first one was... Why not let the artists write the stories as well as draw them? And the second was, always sign your name on top, big. Again, all caps. And the rest is history. Stan Lee, of course, became rich and famous over the bodies of people like Bill and Jack. Bill, who created the character that had made his father rich, wound up coloring and doing odd jobs. And Jack, well, a friend of mine summed it up like this. Stan Lee and Jack have a conference, then Jack goes home, and after a couple of months gestation, a new book is born. Stan Lee gets all the money and all the credit, and all poor old Jack gets is a sore asshole. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, Wally Wood was uh, not happy towards the end. Salty dog. Well, and, uh, his like he gets like an accelerated version of of the relationship with Stan that that Ditko and then Kirby would have because Ditko same thing kind of happened, dissatisfied over the same things and eventually leaves and, and, and a little sooner than and then Jack the same thing just took Jack. Wally was the quickest and then and then. Uh, Steve and then Jack. Man, I just, I wonder like all those dudes that come out of EC, what kind of conversations they would have. Like we've looked at interviews, we've looked at some of that work, you know, monographs on the different artists and stuff. And you get a sense that they were a little more conscious of how they thought about comics art. They weren't thinking of it as I'm ashamed of this and hopefully I can become a commercial illustrator. It was like those dudes were getting good page rates. They were the best illustrators of the time and competitive with each other, but also probably talk and shop you know, Harvey Kurtzman makes a bid to be like, I want a piece of Mad Magazine. Can you, you know, imagine Jack Kirby walking into Marvel in 65 and saying, I want to own some of this. It didn't happen. Right. That was pretty mm-hmm. rare that those EC guys, you know, whatever Kool-Aid they were drinking, I don't think was standard with comic book artists at that time period. So you could see Wallywood being like, wait, I'm writing this and not getting paid for writing it? Bullshit. Yeah, I mean, dude, like, the the sort of guys who precede us like from from the 80s having conversations with them they they criticize us for designing our books and not getting a big fee for that shit you know like the 
pull these to the side. Like, dude, you're doing a lot of work for free. Ultimately, it's like I need my stuff to stand out and like be a certain way. Uh, so, so it's like it's that Mazzy Kelly thing of like try to be the last hands to touch the thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, but these guys, they're not wrong, you know. So, like, there was book a book design job, and and you're doing that job, and you're not getting paid for it. Like, I didn't get paid. I created my um, X Men Grand Design logo. Um, I spent a couple days on it. it. Like, it was an intense job just getting all that shit to line up. I didn't get one dollar for that shit, you know. But I wasn't gonna like have some hack bullshit piece of lettering that blends in with all the other you know, trash Marvel logos that are out there right now. It's it's a line you have to walk. It's decisions you have to make for yourself. Yeah. Things are not so clear-cut as they're coming at you in real life. There's, you know, you could say, like, you know, looking at Wally Wood's life, he might have benefited if he ate a little shit for a couple more years, stayed on Daredevil, and created maybe some, like, the, the equivalent of, like, a coming of Galactus or something, if he stuck, you know, some really great mid era you know marvel kind of thing but it's you know we got to make these decisions for ourselves it's good to be aware of these things and and you know you you know who would be hurt the most man from uh making a logo if they did not get paid and, and I, i'm sure they didn't get some royalty but like starenko created the x-men logo like the iconic x-men logo just on the cover of like one of his things man and then like all the stuff i mean it's a nike symbol to of, of comic book logos you know I'm often surprised whenever we'll we'll be looking at some book or other and, and who did the logo and it's like Todd Klein did a ton of them. Yeah. Kevin Nolan I think's credited with Hellboy logo. Um but you know, someone like Todd Klein and a lot of these logo designers aren't credited with the logos they do. Yeah. You know, it'll be maybe a creator of the book will tell us that later. Uh Rob Liefeld Youngblood, right? T- told us that recently. So underappreciated part of comics, you know, I mean it it feels like that's the history of at least the comic book side of comics. You know, I, hopefully that stuff is changing and getting better and improving. But I don't know. Like you say, Tom, it's kind of a personal choice how you manage these mm-hmm. things. Um, and it's I'm glad anytime this information comes out. Yeah, for sure. You guys good? Yes. yes. All right, man. K-Fibers, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell so that we can notify you when new vids are available. Jimmy, what's out there? Hulk Grand Design Monster and Hulk Grand Design Madness. My retelling of the 60-year history of the Incredible Hulk, writing, drawing, coloring, lettering, logos, everything. Uh, You can pick that up wherever you buy comics. It's in shops everywhere now while supplies last. And you can join me on patreon.com slash jimrug to see how I make all the comics I make and to see more of my comic art. Red Room Trigger Warnings Issue 1, 2, and 3 are on the stands as we speak. Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit is the name of the game in Red Room Comics. Uh, It is banned in 28 countries. It is banned in 10 comic shops, but you can order those comics at my link tree in the description below this video. Uh, You could also hit up the Patreon and read the comics right now, man. Uh, More than 200 pages uh, are in the archive as we speak. Put up new pages every Tuesday. Three bucks for the archive. Uh, Tom, what do you have? For more Daredevil action, check out Fantastic Four Grand Design. He has some you know, really cool moments in that story. Uh, you can learn more about the creation of Daredevil in Jack Kirby, The Epic Life of the King of Comics. Uh, go check out my Patreon and uh, watch my YouTube channel, Total Recall Show. I should mention Daredevil's an incredible Hulk, too. <laughs> Runs into the Hulk and then wakes up in a hospital, so I don't know if they're cool moments for Daredevil, but it's fun to get a little bit of that in. Listen, it's a Hulk comic. What That's else right. do we have out there, Jimmy? Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe e-newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts and merchandise at the links below this video. That's another great way to support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. Give them those marching orders, Jimmy. We'll be on our way. Read more comics.